0: Let us again remind ourselves of the Lord's commands using the words of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5 and reading verses 6 to 21. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Uh, We'll continue this evening in our study of uh, Colossians chapter 1. So uh, our reading is again uh, Colossians chapter 1. And we'll read the same 14 verses that we did uh, earlier on today. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as, as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I began this morning by thinking of the words from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. We're looking at Colossians, but we began with the thought of uh, Philippians 4 verse 6 by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known uh, to God. And this was pretty much the norm uh, for Paul in his praying, prayer uh, along with thanksgiving. So, giving thanks is to be a characteristic uh, of someone who is walking worthy, living worthy of the Lord. Uh, It's to be part of our character, part of a Christian's character. But here, In Paul's prayer for the Colossians, it now also becomes part of his prayer. So he's he's praying that they would be thankful, that they would be a thankful people. But now he also uh, turns this thanks back to God. Uh, And verses 12 to 14, where we left off uh, this morning, uh, giving thanks to the Father, verse 12, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He moves from his prayer and his supplications, his general prayers and his particular prayers for the Colossian believers, he turns now to thanksgiving uh, to God uh, himself. So Paul is shifting his focus of attention uh, from thinking about the Colossians, praying for the Colossians, to now thanking God for what he has done for these Colossian believers, for what God has done for Paul himself, and for what God has done uh, for all who put their trust in him. So Paul, at this point, uh, he he takes a a step back to remind us of the, the foundation Of new life in the work that the father has done through his son. So first of all we want to think about verse 12 uh, the second part the father has qualified us the father has qualified us qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So Paul is very very clear here that We do not qualify ourselves. It's the Father who qualifies. We don't qualify ourselves. It's not because of any merit on our part or some achievement achievement, uh, by ourselves. God the Father has himself provided what sinners need to be considered qualified. What makes them worthy to join the company of God's people, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. If you qualify in your exams, um, there's still some people here doing exams. Uh, if you qualify in your exams, you're qualified to go to the next stage, uh, the next level, the next level of study, or perhaps to employment or you do exams for your work, and you're qualified then to move on and to to go to the next level, the next stage, the next next pay grade. Uh, If you pass your driving test, uh, you're then qualified to drive. Some people might still question that, uh, but you're qualified to drive. It's something that you've achieved, something that you've earned. But as regards salvation... And being right with God, Paul is making it clear to us here that we cannot work for it. We cannot qualify it, qualify for it. We cannot earn the qualification to make ourselves fit, make ourselves right with God. It's the Father who qualifies us for this inheritance. So, what has God the Father qualified his people for, or what is it to? Uh, Well, he answers that in the next part of uh, verse 12. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light? He has qualified us to a new spiritual standing, a new spiritual status, a new position. Something that we didn't have before. He's qualified us to this new position to have a share of the inheritance of the saints or the holy ones. It's a word that keeps on cropping up in Colossians saints and holy ones, those who uh, God sets apart for himself. A share of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, and Paul uses two very similar words here, uh, or they, they have similar meaning. This word, uh, partakers, uh, or share, he has qualified you to share, and the word inheritance. Share and inheritance are very similar to one another. Um, this share is someone who is a partaker uh, of a portion and the word inheritance is, is the portion or it's the share. So it's the share, the inheritance, the portion. And the share is the one who is the partaker of that inheritance. And these two words occur again and again throughout the Old Testament uh, uh, a number of times. And once in the New Testament in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And verses 18 to 21 we have these two words occurring uh, together when uh, Peter is uh, preaching and there's a, a miracle that takes place and we have Simon who's the sorcerer uh, sees what's happening and he's he's just he's in awe of what's happened and, and he wants to be able to do what Peter has just done and he offers to to pay for it he offers money uh Uh, Chapter 8, Acts, chapter 8, verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Now here it is in verse 21. Verse 21. You have neither part nor portion. You don't have a share or an inheritance in this matter. It's the same words. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. He thought that he could buy this uh, portion, this share. And Peter says, perish with your money. Uh, Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 9, he, he says, Levi has no portion nor inheritance. Same words, no part, no uh, share, no inheritance. He has no portion, no inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. The rest of the tribes, do you remember that when they came into the promised land the promised land was divided up among the tribes, except for Levi. he wasn't to receive the same inheritance or portion. Why? Because, as Moses says, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren, the Lord is his inheritance. his inheritance is something completely different, but it's the same two words. Uh, that are there in the the Old Testament these two words are often applied as it is there in Deuteronomy 10 it's applied to the land to territories Uh, your portion your inheritance you're to have a share of of the land Uh, land that was allotted to each of Israel's tribes apart from Levi uh, in the land of Israel now when we come here to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 Paul is taking this language of land and inheritance and he's using it of the spiritual privileges of God's new covenant people. So in the old covenant, the inheritance, the portion, was the land. When we come into the new covenant, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual privilege. uh, And Paul is applying it to these new covenant people, these, these Colossians. And the majority of them, if not all of them, were Gentiles, outsiders, aliens, as we thought about this morning. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, I forgot to mention this morning, if you read Colossians and Ephesians, um, at the end of the book of Colossians, they're told to read another letter. Uh, and it's thought that that other letter that they were to read is the letter to the Ephesians. And the Ephesians are told to read the letter to the Colossians. So there's a, there's a, a, a crossover going on between these uh, two letters. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he's, he's writing to the Ephesians there. He, and, he, and then later on, the Colossians are to read it for themselves. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're no longer outside outsiders. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. The saints, those who are set apart, those who are members of the household of God up until this point have been Jews. But God in his mercy has burst open the doors and now Gentiles are coming in. The new covenant people. You're no longer outsiders. You have a part with the saints and members of the household of God, qualified to be partakers, to have a share, a portion, an inheritance. Speaking uh, to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, Paul says, Brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Those who are sanctified, it's the same word, the saints, the holy ones. Uh, In Colossians uh, 1 verse 12, uh, all of these words uh, refer to Christians. Um, He uses that word, as I said, again and again, in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, He uses it in verse 2, verse 4, verse 26. In Ephesians, as I said, this crossover letter, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 Ephesians 2 and verse 19 whenever we read of the sanctified, of saints of the holy ones it's a reference to God's people, it's a reference to believers it's not a reference to dead people who uh, act won't do wonderful things uh, from beyond the grave um, saints and holy ones are living breath- breathing people who trust in God, and they've been set apart, set apart for him. Paul adds a, a little phrase at the end of verse 12, he, he, this phrase, in the light, in the light, to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And here he's setting up a contrast for what he's about to say in verse 13, because in verse 13 he goes on to speak about the power of darkness, uh, or the dominion, the kingdom of darkness. So this light that he's referring to in verse 12 is a reference to a different realm, quite a different realm from verse 13. It's, it's a realm, it's a, a kingdom of light. So this share... This portion, this inheritance that he's speaking about, it's a reference to the kingdom of light that belongs to the God's people. It's a kingdom. It's a kingdom. God qualifies us to become part of this kingdom of the saints in the light. So the question is, well, how do we become partakers? How do we have a share in this inheritance? If we can't qualify ourselves, if we can't do anything to prove ourselves to God so that we can get to heaven, that we can get this inheritance, what needs to happen? Well, God the Father, Paul says, has qualified us. Secondly, in verse 13, he tells us how the Father qualifies us. He says that the Father has delivered us and conveyed us. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. He has delivered us and he's conveyed us. He has rescued us and he has transferred us. These two things need to take place in order to become partakers of this inheritance. Paul might well have had the deliverance uh, of the exodus in mind here because there are quite a number of similarities in here in verse 13 and in Exodus chapter 6 and verses 6 to 8. Verses, uh, exodus 6 verses 6 to 8 says, therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Listen, I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land. So he's already said he's going to rescue. He's he's now telling them he's going to bring them into the land. He's going to transfer them from Egypt, from bondage, into the promised land, which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage, says the Lord. I will give it to you as your portion, as your inheritance. So in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and Exodus 6, God rescues. God redeems. He takes them out of a situation of bondage. They couldn't get out of Egypt themselves. It needed a rescue, a rescue mission. And it was God who rescued them and transferred them. He brought them out and he brought them out into an inheritance. Rescue and transfer. Psalm 107 is another passage that uses the language of rescue and redemption, Uh, not out of Egypt, but this time out of exile. Psalm 107, verses 13 and 14. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them. He rescued them out of their distresses. He brought them out. He transferred them, brought them out of darkness, And the shadow of death. And broke their chains in pieces. Rescue and transfer. The deliverance from Egypt. The rescue from exile. There there are pictures that we have in the Old Testament. Of what God was going to do through his son. in, In the New Testament. God's ultimate rescue of his people. The rescue from sin. Through his son Jesus Christ. Rescued. From the tyranny, the rule of Satan and his bondage, bondage under him, transferred into the peaceable rule of Christ to become citizens in the the realm of light. Israel lived in darkness in the exile. The Colossians have lived in the kingdom of darkness. People who have not been rescued by God through his Son Jesus Christ continue to live in a realm that is darkness, that is evil, that is chaos and confusion, and is under the judgment of God. But, but, God rescues, and God transfers them from this kingdom into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, the kingdom of his beloved Son, the Messiah. So the Father has qualified us, and he qualifies us because he delivers and he transfers, he rescues and transfers us from the power of the darkness to the kingdom of the Son of his love. And so we are made partakers of, of the inheritance in the light. Well how how does God rescue and transfer us? The answer is given to us in verse 14. The Father has redeemed us. Verse 14 in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In whom? In who? In the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins this word redemption uh, would have been a very familiar term in paul's day redemption was the transaction by which a slave uh, paid a price to secure his or her release from slavery from from bondage This redemption here in verse 14 uh, that Paul speaks about is release from bondage to sin, from bondage to this kingdom of darkness, from bondage to Satan's rule and dominion over us. The price for release, the price for freedom, for the forgiveness of our sins, to escape this kingdom of darkness in verse 14 is through his blood. Through his blood. If we are to be set free from bondage to sin to Satan to death to have our sins forgiven no amount of money or effort on our part will ever do, no matter how good, no matter how holy, no matter how religious we might think it is. The cost of freedom from this awful kingdom of darkness, the cost of freedom of rescue and transfer is through his blood. It's his blood. That's the price, that's the payment. In other words, it is faith in his sacrifice on the cross to deal with our sin, and it's only in his sacrifice for sin. As Paul says in Romans 3 and we sang about in uh, Psalm 14, we've all sinned. There's none righteous. No, not one. We've all sinned. Well, how are you going to get rid of that sin? How can it be dealt with? How can the consequences of that sin be done away with? What is the consequences of sin? The wages of sin. What we deserve because of sin is death. We have broken the law. The curse of the law is death. God's curse hanging over us. How do we get rid of that curse? How do we come out from under that condemnation, that judgment that we deserve because we've broken his his law we've broken his commands what we owe to god because of our sin is death jesus jesus pays the debt on behalf of all those who put their trust in him he pays that debt By taking our punishment and our death upon himself. He pays the price and he pays it in full, in full on our behalf. So the question for each and every one of us today is, have you been qualified? Have you been qualified to have a share of God's inheritance? Not because you're a Reformed Presbyterian or a Baptist or Church of Ireland or whoever you are. Are you qualified to share, have a share in this inheritance? Because you have been rescued and you've been transferred. You've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the light. It's only through faith in his blood. In other words, faith in his sacrifice for sin. He knew no sin, he had committed no sin, he was paying for the sins of his people for our debt and there's no other way there's no other way without it without this rescue without this transfer without faith and trust in his sacrifice for sin we remain we continue in the realm of darkness we continue in our sin and we continue under God's condemnation but God in his mercy God in his mercy continues to give you life and breath and a heartbeat and your mind to repent to turn from that kingdom to put your faith, your trust in the one who calls you to come unto him to rescue you from eternal condemnation and bring you into eternal life with God, your God your creator